This is Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That is Alicia Aitken-Radburn. How do you do today? I'm doing very well. I'm just happy that Steve the Human Lie Detector is back. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're totally going to get into that. This is uh, a podcast exploring the ins and the outs of Brooke Blurton's landmark season of The Bachelorette. We're unpacking the dates, the world records, the human lie detector bombshells. There's a lot to talk about, so episodes five and six, you can find them right now on 10play.com.au. Go there because if you don't and you keep listening, we're about to tell you everything that happened, okay? Pause this. Go. What are you still doing listening? Come on. All right, play the music. Leisha, we kick off with Brooke taking Luca on a single date. So uh, quite a number of uh, convertible vehicles have been involved already, which I'm a, I'm a big fan. There's one thing, the real winner of the Bachelorette franchises is transport. Goodness me, this was a lovely, lovely Porsche, wasn't it? Oh, it was a beautiful Porsche and it was very, very well suited to Luca taking his man bun out because <laughs> what a glorious shot of him just, I think it needed more slow motion, to be honest. Just getting that hairband out and flicking it around. I think that, like, if that doesn't start the date on the correct foot for Brooke, I don't know what does. I love the way that... Now, we saw uh, Luca arrive at the cocktail party. He was one of the later arrivals. I don't like to call them intruders. He wasn't intruding on anything. He was invited. So he was a late arrival at the cocktail party, made quite the impression on the mansion. Doesn't matter. He's there to impress Brooke. He's very bold. Isn't he, Luca? He was. He was really, he was He was a man on a mission mm. at the cocktail party. He was there. He met Brooke. I really felt like they had quite a, I think everyone could see they had quite a connection from the get-go and he was not messing around. He had like went and introduced himself and then he was basically back <laughs> interrupting, as we say, conversations and really making it known that he's there. And I mean, it's what you got to do, particularly if you're coming in a little bit later and clearly it's gotten him noticed because now he's in a Porsche with his hair out and they're, <laughs> they're steaming towards some fighter jets. <laughs> and look, if there's one thing, look, you got to understand the fact of the matter is, is TV's not cheap to make. TV costs money to make. And one of the ways that we help make that money to, to pay for television is a, is a magical thing called integration. So every now and again, you'll see a product show up, like, for example, Jimmy Nicholson's, like, there was just a lot of coffee going on, a lot of Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. The, I, was, I was concerned about the amount of espresso they were drinking. Was there like... was one date. Remember when Jimmy went on one date? They must have had four shots at one point. I'm like, someone's, <laughs> someone's going to be going number twos in the middle of all this romance. This is a... Literally, he's sitting with Brooke, and I'm thinking, like, oh, God, like, no wonder the con whole conversation has gone jittery. <laughs> you know, I, I love an integration as much as the next guy. In fact, Osher is the Hebrew word for integration. But I was thinking, when I heard that Top Gun, uh, the new Top Gun movie, was a, it was like, how are we going to work this? And my goodness, haven't our team pulled off an absolute coup with this? This was glorious. Sometimes the integrations can, I don't know, how do we, how do we put it in? Yeah, it's not, how do we say it? It's not subtle. There you go. <laughs> Here, have a Magnum. We're all sitting around simultaneously eating these Magnum ice creams. But who'd say no to that? 
Who'd say no to a delicious Magnum? Come on. This makes me want to go into... I, I have to admit, Osha, I was sitting there. I saw the URL for the fighter jets on top of the, like, just just above Brooke's head. And I did jump on Google and Google how much it would cost me to take one of these fighter jet flights. What's the, what's the price? Uh, it's about 1.5K, which I thought was quite reasonable. That's a 20 minute, so 1,500 bucks. 1,500 bucks, that's for two at a time or one at a time? That's one for a 20-minute joy flight. <laughs> so start saving your pennies. Man, well, that's it. Look, but come on. Like, if you're all putting together for a for a birthday present for someone, oh. and what we've just described there, that's effective contra because you, you saw the URL, <laughs> you saw the labelling. I Googled it, and now I'm discussing a group present for my friend who's really into Top Gun. <laughs> I would have been there with Brooke. I mean, I like things that go quickly. You know, I do. I, I pretty much exclusively drive electric vehicles of the four and two wheeled variety. They go very, very, very fast. I like things that go fast. Fighter jets. Would you have done this? Yeah, I would also. I would have been cacking my dax. Oh my gosh! I would have been cacking my dax and probably up chucking a fair bit. I haven't been able to get very much information out of Brooke since she's been home after this season. Like we watched the premiere together and people keep DMing me being like, oh, tell me who the winner is. I haven't been able to get any information out of her. But what I did get was she did tell me when I was like, how'd the season go? Are you in love? She told me I go on a fighter jet and it was really, really scary. (laughs) So that's been her takeaway. (laughs) But it looked awesome and she was very, very brave. What did you think of the nicknames Gladiator and BB Gun? Look, everyone needs a call sign and Gladiators are pretty, yeah, fair enough. I get it. BB gun. Yeah, uh, I dig it. That'll work. I don't know if it works in an intimate scenario. Like, touch me there, BB gun. I don't know if that really works. (laughs) Gladiator either. Touch me there, Gladiator. I found it quite hilarious because, okay, one, I have to admit I've never seen Top Gun, which we need to remedy. Hang on, excuse me, Rachel, our producer, can we please fire Alicia and get another host (laughs) immediately? Rach is in. (laughs) But what I do, you know, I know some of the main characters and the reason why I know one of the main characters Iceman is because that is the nickname that Glenn has received from his group of friends to describe his alter ego when he's perhaps had a few too many beverages. <laughs> so it's always like, oh, Iceman's coming out. So I really gotta, I've gotta watch Top Gun. I was nearly gonna say it in my paradise, my commitment ceremony speech. I was gonna be like, I can't wait to go back to Australia and meet Iceman. Uh, I've now met Iceman and it's not someone you want to know. Okay, here's the very short version of Top Gun. It was made in, it was like a massive, massive summer blockbuster. Think of like all the American flag waving kind of movies and then get a bigger flag and then get an even bigger flag and then go to bigflagstore.com and say, see how big this flag is? I need a 10 times bigger flag than that because that's how big a flag I want to wave as far as how awesome America's military is. And they'll go, great. And they'll give you the movie Top Gun. It's pretty fun. It's very silly. They accidentally don't start World War Three, but um, there's a lot of very fast plane flying. And look, you've seen Top Gun just through GIFs and, and movie references, so don't worry. You know everything that happens in Top Gun anyway. I am making a commitment to watch it before we get to the end of the podcast and we can do a very quick, very mini Top Gun review in amongst one of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty epic. There's, um, oh, what was his name? Don Simpson? Was that the... 
this is at a time when movie producers were as big as they could get. And oh, I remember there was a story about the producer at the time who was out of his mind, like on testosterone shots and taking Percocet every day and oh God. heaps of plastic surgery. This is back in the 80s. And they borrowed an American aircraft carrier to make the movie. And they're like, well, we can't turn. It's, we need the carrier to be going the other way because the sun's setting in the wrong direction. And this is the end of the movie. They've got to be heading back. And they're like, it's going to cost us this money, $100,000 in fuel and take us three hours to turn an aircraft carrier around. And he was like, I don't fucking care. the aircraft. And they fucking did it. You know? We're doing it. That's commitment. That's good TV. And we saw some more good TV once they got to their very, uh, you know, we saw a few kisses. Thank you for getting us back on track. Um, I, I personally, I shat myself the most when they were both taking off at the same time. I thought if anything's going to go wrong, it's going to be now. Parallel, <laughs> freaking scary. I was really scared. It was, it was, it was pretty flawed. Um, look, when he comes to nicknames, I'm glad they didn't choose Goose and Iceman because I don't want to bust anything out or spoil anything for you. Oh, I've heard. It's like a nemesis situation, isn't it? Oh no, no, things don't end well for Goose. Oh, okay. So I'm glad that I'm glad no one called themselves Goose. Spoiler. Spoiler for you. <laughs> Things don't end well for Goose, but that's okay. Yeah, there was some there was some making out here, which I was pretty happy to see because at least Luca could pick up what Brookie was putting down, which did not happen later in this episode as we got to the <laughs> obstacle compatibility challenge. This was uh, this is pretty cool. This is way out in Western Sydney in this in the second airport district. It was far far away, but it's a full on. I won't say the name of it, but like, say, for example, if you wanted to be a, a warrior of some description. Oh, yes. Some sort of. Yes. If you wanted to jump from obstacle to obstacle and potentially. A martial arts warrior of some description, you would want to train <laughs> at this place. OK, because it's basically that. It's that course. And they've built it. I see saw these guys when they were doing the course doing the upside down rope thing and I was like who have we cast on this season like we're getting awfully close to Survivachula how do you pronounce it Osha it's your show Savachula 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 I'm pitching I'm pitching Savachula I'm ready for it by the way sign me up I'm ready for another TV show <laughs> Yeah. Let's get into it. 2023, I'm going to make it happen. It's a great way to celebrate your honeymoon, by the way. I know you're getting married that year. Thank you. It was the OGs versus the newbies. Like, who'd have thought we'd split them into the newbies? Like, what a thing to do. It was pretty cool watching everyone try to figure out the answers to the questions because I do love compatibility. You know, it's TV. We need colour and movement. Ultimately, it's about who answers the questions. But it's also Brooke wants to see who's trying the hardest, who's really trying because they want to spend time with her. And that's really important for her to see. Whoever knows Brooke best will win the challenge. Kurt seems to know all the answers. Is anybody listening to Kurt? No. I felt very bad for Kurt. He was just really trying to get his voice in there, but I, he, I feel like Kurt wasn't asserting himself enough. He really needed to put his foot down and be like, guys, I know Brooke. She definitely likes to relax at the beach, not sleep in or whatever. I'm probably getting that wrong. I was surprised. I didn't know a lot of the answers. So, Kurt, they really needed to be listening to him. Kurt was all over it. The team that actually won, though, and there was a bit of snag on the first... I don't know how much you saw of it in the edit, but there was a bit of a snag on the first obstacle. Really? So it wasn't as seamless as... No, that's where they lost the 30 seconds. They were... They, they were pretty much neck and neck right. time-wise, but they lost 30 seconds on the first obstacle. There was one... I can't remember who it was. 
one person touched the ground on the first part and they had to turn around and go back. Right. But other than that, they were, in fact, I reckon they were faster overall across the course. I reckon the newbies were faster across the course, but they just lost 30 seconds when someone's foot touched the ground on the first obstacle and they had to go, that one person had to go back and start again. That cost it for them. Yeah, but they, they absolutely, they went for it. Hell for leather. I've got to say, I, for one, when Luca took the shirt off, and there was a bit of a snide commentary from the bench. Oh, my God. I thought that was so – I've literally got in my notes, like, body shaming. Bad. Didn't love that. Do they know that, like, Luca is a, a jiu-jitsu complete supermaster and could twist you into a pretzel with one hand and would have you tapping out and saying, I'm sorry, I called you that horrible name within, like, a breath? Literally. Um, I was really, I was a bit dirty that that happened. Yeah, I agree. I was instantly lost on the person that said that. I'm like, that's it. You're, you're dead to me. Dead to me. I'm out. Out. Completely out. There was a lot of re- lot of abs going on. Oh, my gosh. Who's, like, I, I'm like... <laughs> Steve, I've like hardly seen him so far. It feels like Brooke hadn't, didn't even know who he was either. And then it's like all of a sudden he takes his shirt off and she's like, hello, good to meet you. Single date. I love how we can just see it all over Brooke's face when she's into something. I love it. Man or woman, it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. I love it. And goodness me, Will, secret rig. Oh, my goodness. Uh, him climbing that rope, I was like, also in my notes, just through this episode, very sneaky, but Millie is so attractive. She's got like the undercut happening. And I was looking, I was just like captivated by her. I found her so attractive. So I'm really hanging for some Millie and Brooke time because I found Millie very confident and compelling when she first met Brooke as well. Great vibes off, off Millie. There's a lot of vibe going on between Brooke and, and the people in the mansion. Kurt got the date extension. Brooke, he was, you know, she, you know, as I said, she was looking for whoever was really trying and really knew her the best. Clearly, Kurt did. No one was listening to him. They get to the, the, the special time alone together romantically on the, on the ropes course at night. <laughs> and honestly, I could not have – I was texting our producer, Rachel, going, I, I really related to this. Completely related to this because I'm I'm somebody who I really don't know. I, I just can't tell often when there's a vibe there. There's something that doesn't switch on in my brain and I can't understand it. And Brookie was pretty much sitting in his lap. <laughs> oh, my God. She was so... Okay, firstly, I'm obsessed with Kurt. I think Kurt is the most beautiful... For for, for a very long time, I really... I, I think he just sounds like Tim Hanley. So that was all I was... <laughs> I told you you'd take it back. I told you you'd take it back. <laughs> He's just the most... I'm obsessed. I, I'm obsessed with him. And he was so beautiful and innocent and cute. He just wasn't picking it up so much to the extent that, you you know, as you said, Osha, Brooke is essentially sitting in his lap. She's basically licking her lips. And then she just, I love it, very assertive of her, just asks, hey, like, can you bloody kiss me? And they kiss. And what a kiss. I've got to say, reflecting on her single date with Luca, I thought that, I don't like to judge people's connections too harshly because there's lots going on and sometimes you... Then would you... Uh, Rachel, yeah, she doesn't like to judge people's connections. So can we get a new co-host, please? <laughs> okay, that's the second time. <laughs> don't watch that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be more aggressive now. Uh, I rate Kurt way above Luca. I thought that the Luca kiss seemed a bit like it was... There wasn't enough 
the Kurt kiss, she was literally yeah. so into that. I thought she was like, and I'm just going to give a little bit of like behind the scenes Brooke insight. I've seen Brooke date a couple of people over the years and Kurt is someone I think really fits into who she is generally attracted to. So I was watching this being like, oh, yeah, I, I see what you're doing, girl. Right. <laughs> I, well, I'm I'm happy that there was such vibe being read by you. And, and look, Kurt, you're a man after my own heart. I can't tell you how many times I've missed the permission to shine, but I'm glad that you finally... The two of you finally connected and sent that message to each other that you were into each other. The cocktail party couldn't have been completely different as far as uh, vibe goes when it comes to Brooke and Carissa. On the red carpet, when Carissa arrived, there were fireworks, fireworks. And I thought, this is it. Lock it off. It's done. It's over. How are we going to get another 12 episodes out of this? But for Carissa, and you'd understand this, you know, as someone who's been in that mansion, for Carissa, it's, it's not a place that she reckons she can feel to be in an emotional space that is open to falling in love. And at least she was honest about it. Yeah, I I really respected her opening up to Brooke. Brooke seemed pretty rattled by it, which is understandable if you're... It would be quite devastating when you're forming all these connections and, you know, even in this crazy environment, you are hoping that through this process you're going to be developing your relationship with these people. and. It was clear that Carissa is someone that Brooke really felt was a front runner for her, felt like she it was one of the people that she had a stronger connection with. And so I think Brooke is genuinely pretty just disappointed that she's not going to be able to progress that connection and that relationship with Carissa. But that being said, I do really respect, I, I understand why Carissa has vocalised that she finds this really hard to do. And I mean, I don't really have too much of too much of an experience in the Bachelor context just because like I didn't really connect with Honey Badger. But I, I often think about it in the context of meeting Glenn and Paradise. And we often talk about what would have happened if Glenn was the Bachelor. There was a very long time ago, there was whispers between the production and Glenn positing maybe a twins season because he's a twin and they're both incredibly handsome and obviously that that didn't go anywhere but we often speak about what what if Glenn was the bachelor what if I came into the mansion and I had to meet him and compete with 20 other girls and I don't think I would have handled that so I understand where Carissa is coming from I think this is very hard it was nice to see a conversation like that, which was so honest and open. And the two of them, like Brooke was clear at a disappointment, but absolutely accepted. She didn't try to convince her to do anything she didn't want to do. Carissa had clearly already made the decision and was just kind of talking Brooke through it. Do you think that you could do this, Osha? That you could, I mean... Uh, what, what, be Carissa or be Brooke? Well, go through an experience like The Bachelor or Bachelorette where you're competing with people... And you have a, like, let's say Audrey was the bachelorette. Do you think that you could be there with all these other men and have to go through that? Like, Carissa talks about it pretty explicitly. She says that she has, she went on that one-on-one time and she was feeling like, okay, wow, the connection's happening. 
And then she's back in the mansion and everyone else is sharing their really intense connections. Yeah. I would find that really intimidating. Oh, absolutely. I think back to when I was single most recently before I met Audrey and I was, you know, I was competing with other people. I just didn't know it. You know, I knew they were there and I knew when someone I was interested in said, oh, no, I'm busy tonight, they're probably out with somebody else. Yeah, true. And that's totally fair, you know. But I didn't really, I was okay with it because I I understood to be faced with it every day would be very difficult. And my hat has always and will always go off to anybody that wants to get into that mansion. And, yeah, I I guess compartmentalising is a big part of it. I don't know how I would go. To answer your question, I don't know how I'd go in there. And I think, like, it's a reason why a lot of our relationships coming out of The Bachelorette and The Bachelor are so strong and have such longevity because I think that it is a very big communication. Like, (laughs) you have to do a lot of maturity, communication Mm. to be able to get past what are some really difficult dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, and as I said, they are dynamics that exist anyway, but they're never really in your face like they are in the mansion. So, Brooke, often when this happens, I'm the one that goes in and says, oh, by the way, Brooke and Carissa, they've had a chat. But no, Brooke's like, no, I'm going to do it. And that's what I love about her. She's like just went in. She went, no, this is it. This is what's happening. I'm going to call it. I'll see you later. I hope you, you get it. And they went, and I just love that she's in such command you know? Oh, and it gets better next episode. <laughs> Doesn't it what? Doesn't it what? We'll talk about that right after this break. Stay with us. I mean, where are you going to go? It's a podcast. This is Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aiken-Radburn. We're up to episode six of The Bachelorette, uh, Brooks' season of The Bachelorette. Um, a, a, an incre- it's a world-first Bachelorette, and so why would you want to do a world-first without throwing a world record or two in there? And what do you know, Brooke and Jamie Lee are going to s- try to break the world record for the longest screen kiss on a TV show, and they do it at the Sydney Tower Skywalk. And... Um, Look, this was, for me, it was probably the most awkward thing I've ever done (laughs) since the last time I did this. Oh, my gosh. You looked very cute in your overalls, though, Asha, i got to say. You have to wear them, apparently, because you're so high up. They're just, I guess they're worried about anything, like even the button of a jacket when it falls 286 metres. By that point, it's going quite fast and it could really hurt someone. So, yeah, you've got to wear these very flattering overalls. So tell me about it. Tell me about the first time. So we're a show for Guinness World Records. The first time was Sam Wood and uh, Nina. Yes. And I loved that flashback. You haven't aged a bit. Uh, I've aged so much. I'm so old since then. Uh, We were on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge for when we broke it the first time around and I uh, I was close but not that close. But because the stipulation of the record, it has to be on screen and it cannot cut away. It has to be like a single, no edits. I have to do a lot of talking. I had to commentate the whole thing. And it was it was weird. So the whole 
going back to the stipulations, I'm I'm a I'm a rules gal. I want to know this. I want to know these rules. It doesn't need to air in its entirety. Does it has to air in its entirety. It has to go com- completely to air from the moment the lips touch to the moment the lips part, and it cannot be edited. Is that what happened on this? I don't. Yeah, think. it is. There was lots of cutbacks and flash. There was lots of cutarounds and stuff like that. Oh right, overlay. Yeah, a lot of over. So I'm I'm <laughs> I had to fill time. I had to do what they call the industry stretch. But the wildest thing is because when you're up on this skywalk thing, there's a really interesting carabiner system. So you've got to be on all kinds of lanyards and you're wearing a harness. There's all kinds of stuff to keep you safe because you're really, really, really far off the ground, right? And the carabiner system, the the safety system is all on a rail. So we all had to walk on in order, okay? (laughs) So, so had, first Guinness World Records guy, he's going to be one of my favourite bystanders. <laughs> he's pretty great. No, so I think it was um, safety officer, uh, producer, oh, yep, audio, camera, camera, Guinness guy, me. <laughs> and then we're, so we're all on the railing, we're all on the railing, and then we all had to wait around the corner for Brooke and Jamie Lee. And then Jamie Lee and Brooke and then behind them is camera, uh, another, you know, producer and another person from Sydney Tower. (laughs) So, romance. And so we get up there and, look, there was a lot of talk and and I've really got to say I'm so grateful to production because I was understandably concerned. I'm like, look, it's I'm just going to be standing there, you know, I'm a nearly 50-year-old white guy standing a metre and a half away from two women pashing. Throwing in your commentary, being like, in 1978, the Mardi Gras was held down there. Yeah. <laughs> like, giving facts. Well, that was, and that's how we came up. It was like, how, how can we make this not yeah. weird? Because it, it could get really weird really quickly. And I've got to say a massive, massive thanks to production who, when I, I said, well, well, how can we do this? I said, okay, well, what if we frame it in like, we're making history here. This is two women. We are like the first Mardi Gras riots. They happened literally underneath us. 47 people went to prison that night. Like, you know, what if we framed it like that? What if we framed it like, look at what you're showing the young people of Australia and, you know, just what would this mean to people? And they were like, okay, great, go for that. And I'm so grateful for that. It's pretty awesome, Osha, because I know that some people watch this and be like, oh, my God, this is a little, this is... (laughs) Five minutes of hooking up. I felt the same way when Sam and Nina were hooking up on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and I'm thinking about the Guinness World Record guy and I'm like, okay, cool. But it is really important. If you even think just back to Sam Wood and Nina, do you know what year that would have been? Sam Wood was 2016? 2015. 2015. I think that that was before marriage equality was legislated. It was, 2015, yep. So, like, even something as simple as that about the fact that back then you really wouldn't have seen same-sex kisses on TV in prime time. And certainly not framed as anything but a woo or the butt of a joke. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I also thought that, uh, you know, all of the novelty of the Guinness World Records aside, I thought that this was actually such a beautiful moment for Jamie Lee and Brooke. Yeah. And they were clearly enjoying it because they went up to five minutes. And I was like, whenever Jamie Lee and Brooke are together, kissing or not, I really feel something in my heart. Like, I think they have such an intense connection with one another. And I really ship them. That's what the kids say. Ship. No, no. And that that's totally fine. And 
it is, is underlined by, and I know you've mentioned him a few times, but I've just got a shout out to Guinness World Record Man, who before we let everybody off the the platform, so it's we're up there. Bear in mind, it's it's winter time, and you're nearly 300 meters off the ground. It was cold. Guinness guy had to watch. He he watched the replay. So he went back up to the camera. Oh, okay. Confirm. Yep. Because, yeah, so he watched it from one angle and then he, he, he found the other camera and he, he watched on the little monitor on the side of the camera and he watched it one more time and he went, yep, that's it. And then he ran to Officeworks and printed that certificate. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, you'd be amazed. The printers are small and portable these days. Ooh. It's extraordinary what you can get up to on, your, on a lanyard hanging off your neck. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great and I'm I'm really happy that we're able to do that and I meant every word that I said, you know, it's just incredible to think that we saw her on the red carpet, Brooke said she never saw anybody, she never saw the kind of the way she felt about the world reflected on television and to be able to show that was just so such a wonderful 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 thing. And it was great and they did it and now they're world record holders and they went so far, I'm going to doubt anyone's going to break that record in a hurry. Oh my gosh, huge. Uh, I'm going to be buying that book when it hits Dimmix. <laughs> when we get to the uh, the garden party, everyone's all kind of nicely dressed up, which is nice. It was a daytime garden party. It was very special. Nice to wear a daytime suit. Carissa, she was, when she left, I guess it kind of rattled Brooke a little because she was so sure there was a connection there and that Carissa didn't feel A, comfortable or B, that her desire to be there was strong enough to keep her through the discomfort. Brooke wanted to be like, well, hang on, who else feels that way? What's going on? So Brooke's had contact with this person before and she went, there's only one person on the planet that I know will give me a straight answer and that is Steve Steve Van Apparin. Steve Van Apparin. <laughs> the human lie detector. Now you've met you've met this guy, haven't you? Osha <laughs> I have. He did confirm that in fact Glenn and I were in love, which was great. I we dig that Steve so much. I'm following him on Instagram. I think he's the biggest legend. And I've got to say, I loved on the show when this was it was it really had a build up. It was like uh, you're going to be meeting somebody today. And I'm like sitting there being like, okay, who's, I'm thinking of names in Brooke's life, friends of hers. I'm like, who are they meeting? And then they go sit on the couch and Steve flashes up and me and Glenn honestly let out the biggest cheer. I have been waiting for Steve to return to the main franchise for a very long time. And didn't he do a good job? He's so great. And a, a big, big thank you to our uh, edit team, our post-production team, who we saw the cutaways of uh, the people he was speaking to and they weren't saying anything, but you saw all the things that Steve looks for. Yes. You saw they're looking this way, they shift in their seat, they move their hands a particular way. Like all the tells that Steve looks for, our post-production team left them all in. So if you go back and watch the episode again, you're like, oh my goodness. And I found it really informative. Like, okay, you're right. I see that now. Steve is, I've met him. To say he's an intense person. Oh, my God. Would be an, uh, a, an insult to things that are intense. Osha, I often think about you in this context of someone. Like, I think that you're just so, if anyone gets lucky enough in your life to see Osha operate on a set, you are just so professional. And <laughs> it's hard to do that in front, particularly in front of like, when you've got a crowd of new people that are new to an experience like TV, 
20 people sitting in front of you on that first cocktail party night. Osha just really takes control. And I feel like Steve comes from the same school of like professionalism and he's there to do a job and he just, he makes you feel, I remember uh, he, (laughs) me and Glenn really backed ourselves with Steve, but Steve picked up things about me. He said, you're not looking me in the eye. Like, I believe that you're genuine in what you're saying to me, but you haven't held my eye contact. Tell me about that. And I, I told him all of this stuff about how actually, like, I can feel, even though I project confidence, I can feel quite insecure. So we went into all of that. And he even, <laughs> this is also behind the scenes and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had an opportunity to tell anyone. He, Steve was sitting with Glenn and I and just really going for it. And we thought we were like really holding our own. Steve genuinely asked us, do you believe in God? <laughs> and both of us, we'd already discussed it. So we were like, oh, no, like, um, you know, we're both atheists personally. <laughs> so he doesn't mess around. That's what I'm trying to say. He really goes for it. That sounds like the kind of question that he asks all kinds of like he's asking a question that, you know, is basically, it's a simple, do you believe in God? It's five words, but it's asking you to reflect on, is there something bigger than everything? And he's just basically yes. throwing a, a thing out there to get a reaction from you. And all he's interested in is your reaction. So totally. it's not whether he believes that if you do or don't, life is going to be good or bad. He's just trying to see what you're like when you're asked a big fat question like that in front of someone that you care about that you may not, may not have talked about that. Yes. Steve has, he's done behavioral interviews in 81 homicide cases, two serial killer investigations. The guy is incredible at what he does. He train, he goes overseas, he trains American police force, CIAs, like all kinds of things. The guy's incredible. Kurt though, no chance. Kurt cracks. <laughs> no chance, mate. No chance. Going up against Steve, nah. Nah, Kurt just like breaks it open and goes, blah, 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 Ryan Jamie Lee. And fair enough too. This was scandal. I, I, I can't lie to Steve. I shit myself every time he asks me, how are you today? I'm actually okay, but I had a bad morning. Like, I, <laughs> I can't lie to him. I can't say good. Uh, Kurt is, again, so beautiful and he really does. He just cracks under the pressure, but he does so in a way. I think in previous series, and it's sort of a trope that we see reoccur in a lot of the series on the franchise where someone has a piece of information but there's this tension about like not wanting to bring things up that are not about you and your relationship with the bachelor or the bachelorette because you it's like it gives you a bit of like snitch areas and it detracts from what you're doing which is meant to be building a connection but i thought that kurt did so with the most you could see that it had just been sitting on his heart and he'd been thinking about it and he had to let it out and i think you could also see that he's not got a poker face you could also see that not just when he was speaking to Steve, but he goes back into the room of his peers where, you know, Jamie Lee is sitting there and they're all just basically like, Kurt, mate, what's up? Like you, <laughs> something has happened. And he just spills his guts again. Yeah. I still love him. I, again, I, I, I affiliate with Kurt quite strongly. An ex-girlfriend of mine once said, uh, we were talking about, oh, what's your superpower be? And I said, this or that. She goes, no, no, no. Your superpower is read you like a bookman because you can't hide anything on your face. When uh, Steve gets Ryan in front of him, Steve talked about avoidance behavior when he started talking about uh, Jamie Lee. He reckons that Conrad and Jamie Lee and David, they are 
therefore the right reasons. <laughs> but Jamie Lee, when she gets confronted with these conversations, she's she's devo, isn't she? Yeah, and I think like progressing to the cocktail party stage of the evening and Brooke takes Steve's advice and Steve basically says, just go have the frank conversation with Jamie Lee, ask the questions that you need to ask, uh, which I think is, I think some people would be watching this being like, oh God, this is a lot from Jamie Lee's perspective as well. But when you're the bachelorette, you're sort of, you're quite isolated from everybody in some ways. So I think that it was the right decision for Brooke to just ask the questions that she needed to ask. And I think that it was a very genuine reaction from Jamie Lee to be pretty devastated. And it's hard when you've got this dynamic, like, I don't doubt, like Ryan probably did have a bit of a crush on Jamie Lee and it's not a wild thing. Like it's a thing that a lot of women do to be friendly to guys (laughs) and men can sometimes misconstrue friendliness for flirtation and so I don't know exactly what the dynamics were there but I think that Jamie Lee did a pretty convincing job and I thought it felt very genuine and authentic of her basically standing her ground and saying no I just Ryan is a friend for me like everyone else in this mansion I've been friendly to him. I don't know what's going on from his side, but I'm here for you. And she just really reiterated to Brooke, I am here for you. So are you, because I'm now going to have to go back and watch the the date where they were riding go-karts and doing chores. Oh, yes. Because they were, they were teamed together. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. So you're saying that Jamie Lee was just being quite friendly. Yeah, I think a lot of the time women can be friendly towards men and have a friendship interaction. Yeah. So I don't think it's not a surprising thing for me that a guy could interpret friendliness for flirtation. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> oh my God, I've done that. I've done that too many times to the point where it's like, oh, oh no, no, no. I'm just your friend. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I really read the room wrong. Yeah. Every time, every time me and, me and Kurt, me and Ryan, I'm their voice. I get it 100%. Uh, Brooke says goodbye to Jessica and says goodbye to Ryan. I was just going to say I was pretty impressed going back to what you said about how, like with the Carissa situation, Brooke is very, you know, she went back into the group and told the group that she was feeling a bit rattled and she was going to call the cocktail party. I think this is another really good example of Brooke reading a situation not really. I think in previous seasons, we would have seen a situation like Jamie Lee and the Ryan Steve Lie Detector thing happen. And our hero, Brooke, the bachelor or the bachelorette, would keep them on for another week. But Brooke's pretty direct in one of her interviews and says, I'm never going to be able to, in this period of time, get exactly to the core of what's happening here. And Maybe Ryan was just being friendly too. Maybe it is all just overblown. But what she did say was, look, the connection's not there with Ryan for me. I don't see us riding off into the sunset together. And she's been very definitive and she's just like, look, it's been like so nice to get to know you, but this isn't for us. And I think Ryan recognised that as well. There was a great bit of, um, it's not quite fourth wall breaking, but it was a great bit of behind the scenes action when 
Because when you see the photo of Brooke standing in the middle of everybody, those photos are taken right after the rose ceremony. Yes. Okay. So usually right after the rose ceremony, when people leave, that's when they shoot the group shots and they shoot Brooke by herself. They shoot me and Brooke. That's when they do all the publicity photos after the rose ceremony with the new lineup of people. And you can actually see in the background, you see Ben, our uh, still shooter, setting up his flashes and everything, and Brooke just turns around. And you can see it's quite a dirty shot. They haven't said, oh, can you get him to move to the left? We're kind of losing Brooke. Like, it's a dirty shot. You can kind of only half see her. The cameras were still rolling. The- yeah, the umbrellas in the background. Good on the crew for <laughs> seeing that something was happening and capturing it. And Brooke just said, again, great boundaries. Really great boundaries. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I like it as well. She was basically just like, uh, that was a mind fuck <laughs> for me tonight. And I think it's good that she's communicating that with the participants on the show as well, because as they move through, like, we're at episode six already. And I think everything's just going to ramp up in intensity even more. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really good that she's being honest about where her head's at, because that will help all of their interactions. It just makes me even more excited. As we go forward, because she knows what she wants. More importantly, she knows she, what she doesn't want. And she is absolutely, completely confident to say, no, this is a no-go zone. And if you don't want it, you should go. And she has enough confidence and self-assuredness that she's cool with saying that. And I love that she's demonstrating that for us all to watch and go, oh, that's what good boundaries look like. Okay. <laughs> it's great, man. She's great. All of this should show you why she is so incredibly good at her job. She's a youth worker. She mentors young people. And you can tell that she is very, and just why she's so passionate about it, about your, your own sense of agency and your own sense of power. She's such a great human being. And I'm so grateful she's our hero. And I can't wait for next week. Alicia, that was fun. But we have to stop talking now because that's the end of the show. This is Cocktails and Roses. Thanks for listening. It's a 10 Speaks podcast. If you missed last week's show or you want to check out anything from any season of The Bachelorette, you can find all the podcasts, Cocktails and Roses 10 Speaks page on 10 Play. And also if you're watching Network 10, Wednesday, 7.30, whatever 7.30 falls in your time zone, uh, to find out what's happening on The Bachelorette Australia. You can also find The Bachelorette Australia on 10 Play anytime you want. Thanks to our team, Ali and Rachel. And thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Have a good time. And we'll see you next Thursday.